to hear more stories. God bless you all. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Well, thank you, Millen and Becca. Yeah, so we would love to, to hear your stories. So if you're having stuff where the Lord's doing stuff that's speaking to you, because we're talking about things can change, right? That's what this series is called, Things Can Change. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And we're in week eight of a series called Things Can Change, where we're going through the book of Mark. And if something changed for you, sometimes change just starts with an idea, doesn't it? <clears throat> I mean, anyone that ever changed anything or changed themselves there was an idea, there was something that happened, there was a spark, and turned into a flame, and then there we go. And so if that happens to you, we would love to hear about it. So on our app, on our website, you can go to hashtag, or, um, or also Instagram, um, you can go to, ha- just put hashtag VF Kairos. And so if you've got a story you want to share, take a little self-video. We, it doesn't have to be professionally filmed. It could be when you're running down the street, like, look it, I'm about to have a heart attack, but I'm running. You know, like... <laughs> Things can change, like, you know, whatever it is. Um, Just, yeah, send it in to us. Try to keep it, you know, under five minutes, but we'd love to um, share it and hear about it and see what Jesus is doing in your life. Um, So I want to thank you for being here today. If you're in person, online, we're so glad you're joining us. And um, good news, Lucas was not here today. Not good news they wasn't here, but they had a baby. Yeah. little cute carbon copy of Dallas named Max, and so he's a little boss, and so um, him and mama and big brother and daddy are resting at home, so Lucas will be back with us in a few weeks, but if you think about pray for them or, you know, you want to take them dinner or connect with them or just, you know, whatever, that would be awesome, but just, just definitely pray. These are hard times when you have a baby and it's winter and, you know, so just pray for their family and all the way around. Um, I want to share something today. So sometimes I love, I love to share with people about the Lord and to talk about things. Sometimes there's things I don't look forward to, or sometimes I'm like confused by things. This is one of those days where it's like my heart just feels heavy. Um, I don't know if you guys knew, but like there's a lot going on in the world. 2.56 a.m. That's okay. I've, that's okay. I've been that guy before. Um, <laughs> lights are on, door is ajar. Um, so you just roll with it. But yeah, so I, I don't know if you guys knew, there's a lot of rough stuff going on in the world right now. I don't know if you've gone to buy ground beef or you've gone to the pump or you go to you know, buy things or go to just you know, anything. It's just everything's nuts. And there's a lot of things that we can't help, right? We don't... We don't uh, you know, we don't really have any control over most of the things that are going on in our world that are really crazy right now. <clears throat> and one of my friends yesterday, I was talking to one of my one of my closest my closest friends, Kuzan. I think you guys might have seen them on a video a couple months a couple months ago. Kuzan and Clarine Vandenberg, they're our South African friends who uh, live in Costa Rica that are going to plant a vineyard church in Latvia that we met in Kansas City here. Uh, here in America, so they're kind of globetrotters, but they're going to Latvia this week to plant plant the first uh, uh, first vineyard church there. Latvia is a former Soviet bloc country. You had like Estonia, Belarus, Lithuania, Ukraine, Latvia. 
those countries right there. Uh, Latvia is just a hop, a skip, and a jump away from the war. And they're on a high alert because uh, it's crazy over there. And Kuzan <clears throat> said something to me that uh, just, I got choked up as he was talking about it. And basically said, I was like, are you guys still going? Because they're going there on Thursday. They're moving there from Costa Rica on Thursday. And I was like, are y'all doing this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, we've been praying about this. And, and he said something, and this is kind of the, the basic rendering of it, but almost exactly what he said is, he said, you know, Ryan, he said, um, a lot of people over there don't know Jesus. Latvia, about one to 2% of uh, people are Christians in the country. And he said, and here's the truth. He said, hell would be a lot worse than a war. And can you imagine bombs going off, like blowing your roof off, killing like your kids dying at school or just things blowing up or not knowing if you're going to make it, you know, having no running water, no food supply, no gas, no, no heat, you know, over there it's cold. <clears throat> so can you imagine what that, and, and he, when he said hell would be a lot worse. And I, I don't think I, I don't think I, and I can probably say we, I don't know if we all collectively take that, that seriously. And he said, we're going to go over there because these people have to know. He said, if it's all going to basically wind up, people have to know. People have to know. These people have to know. And we have to go. He said, so either way, if we live or die kind of thing, we're going to go. And I thought, like, oh, my gosh, dude, like, I, I don't know. And so I, we're going to pray just here for a minute, but I'm also going to... Um, invite you, on March 13th, staff and board, we've talked about, we're going to do a week of fasting and prayer. And what that means is fasting and prayer. And what we're going to do is we just feel like, and we're going to fast from kind of March 13th up until April. And I've just been feeling fast more and more for the last couple months, like kind of a corporate fast, but I didn't want to just do it in January because other people will do that. But I've been like, why and when? And now like all these, you know, different chips and things that are falling in the world that are happening, I'm like, oh, Lord, this is why. This is why. Because, like, the Lord goes ahead of us. Like, sometimes we have that spidey sense, right? And sometimes things start happening, and, like, these premonitions. And that's him. That's his spirit connecting with ours, kind of alerting us what's going on. And so we're going to fast and pray as a church. It's not a mandate. It's an invitation. It's an invitation and a challenge. <clears throat> it's an invitation and a challenge and, and not a thing that you're going to be condemned if you don't fast. Maybe you can't fast food. I'm going to fast food. Um, you know, I've got some like cash reserves here that um, can probably get me through a week or 10 if I need to. Um, but I, I would encourage you to pray about fasting food. I mean, fasting Facebook or TV is great. But here's the thing. If you don't fast, if you don't have Facebook or TV, you wouldn't die. I know you might think that you would but you actually categorically would not. You actually might live longer. But if you don't have food after a certain period of time, you will die. And so I'm not mandating it. You fast whatever the Lord puts on your heart if you feel led to fast to join us, but we are going to be doing kind of a corporate fast. And the thing about, that I found about fasting 
and about food is when we fast, we don't fast to get to God. We don't. We're not trying to reach heaven. We're not trying to climb the mountain. We're really, I think when we fast, we fast so God can get to us. You start finding other base appetites underneath because when you're, um, when there's like this abnegation of a need, you start seeing what the other appetites are. And the thing about when you fast, and I'm gonna kind of do a little video that we'll put online this week that you can check out and feel free to reach out to me like with questions. Like, what is fasting? Why would you do that? Tons of biblical precedents for it. And it's kind of just one of those things like, God, I'm gonna pause what I want and what I need so you can do what you need to in me and in my world through me. That's what it is. And some of you might walk out here really mad today. Don't, no one's gonna browbeat you. No one's gonna put you down. If you can't do it, don't do it. You're not a loser. We don't hate you, okay? So if you walk out of here saying that, you are listening to a voice inside your head. That's not me. Because you can go back and play this at 11:15 a.m. You can see I don't think you're a loser. I don't hate you if you don't fast. But we're gonna ask you to pray about joining us because we know when God's people humble themselves and pray, that things happen. That things happen. And we need things to change. We need things to happen. We need our friends going to plant a vineyard church in Latvia to have breakthrough. We need people to be reached. We need that <clears throat> there, is, there are spiritual dark forces. Remember like the, the disciples are like, why couldn't we cast this thing on Jesus? Like, yeah, well this kind of only comes out fast and pray and y'all fell asleep. So sometimes we don't have breakthrough in our lives because the one thing, the one pill we won't take is the medicine we actually need. And so some of us don't have breakthrough because honestly we don't fast or we won't fast. Can't or won't. And so there's some stuff that God has breakthrough coming for this church and I believe in our city and our nation and our world that I know I'm not trying to go too far with this, but this is... Um, of all the things we do as a church, bar nine in my book, the single most important thing we do is pray. Our prayer team's not an afterthought. Prayer on Sundays is an afterthought. Intercession, not an afterthought. Our Zoom prayer room that two or three people join on weekly is not an afterthought. It's the most important thing we do. And I encourage you to pray about joining us more. Coming, get prayer. Pray. Sign up for this, uh, for this prayer canopy. It might be really hard. Fasting's really hard. It's not fun. But if we wanna see the kind of breakthrough that we wanna see, like we gotta invoke heaven because human beings are not getting this done if you didn't notice. And so that's a lot to say. But I just ask you to come, Holy Spirit. I ask you to visit us. I ask you to meet us. Lord, we don't wanna be a church that just does same old, same old. We don't just wanna... Oh, because it's Lent, we do Lent. Or because it's Christmas, we do Christmas. Or because it's Mother's Day, we talk about moms. Lord, we just want to be a place that talks about what you're saying. Lord, we want to hear from you, we want to obey you, and we want to do what you're telling us to. We want things to change, Lord. We love you. It's your name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. These times are so uncertain there's a yearning undefined. People filled with rage, we all need a little tenderness. How can love survive 
in such a graceless age. Ah, the trust and self-assurance that leads to happiness. They're the very things we kill. I guess, oh, pride and competition cannot fill these empty arms in the work I put between us. You know, it doesn't keep me warm. And I'm trying to get down to the heart of the matter. That's the stanza before that, that good old Don Henley song, if you know that. Like the heart of the matter. And we live in very uncertain times. And we live, that there's yearnings that in all of us are undefined, aren't they? One thing I think that a lot of us like, love about music and art is a lot of times like they're the poets and the prophets, aren't they? Like these people kind of speak what's inside of us deep that we can't really quantify or qualify and put words to. But then every now and then it's like, in this song, I'm not even like an Eagles fan whatsoever, but I always love like the heart of the matter. Like a lot of times, like, isn't it just great to cut through the fog and get to the heart of things to like, you ever talk to someone, you're like, what, what do you really mean? What are you really trying to say? Or maybe you're around that some of those people are like, I never, never wonder where I stand with them. Like they say it and I love them, but it's a little uncomfortable. Um, we're going to talk about today a story in the book of Mark where Jesus was really trying to get to the heart of the matter. So if you have a Bible, if you open with me to Mark chapter 7, um, in the first five verses, I'll just read it. <coughs> we're getting some feedback here. I don't know what's going on. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered to him after they came, came from Jerusalem and saw that some of his disciples, him, that's, they're talking about Jesus, saw that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unholy hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all other Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thereby holding firmly to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they completely cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received as tradition, traditions that they hold firmly to such as washing of cups, pitchers, copper pots. Some of that translation could be they would even wash their couches. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk in accordance with the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with unholy hands? This was a big deal in their society, not as much of a big deal in ours, but there was like some etiquette. There's a lot of etiquette involved, like in ancient Judaism. And there was a lot of things like they had all these rules and regulations of the law that set them apart as God's people. Now, now today it might be, well, why, why, why do your kids watch um, rated R movies? Or why do you cuss all the time? Or why do you smoke? Or why do you, you know, drink? Or why do you, you know... ABC, like even like in the church, we have all these things that like maybe we, we don't do or people would think that you wouldn't do. And so the Pharisees were saying here like, but they followed Jesus, do you remember from um, his hometown, they followed him to Jerusalem and they're picking on that your fisherman, carpenter, warrior buddies don't wash their hands. Now, I might not want to give you five, but I don't really care, right? You you're walk out of the bathroom, you're like, that person did not wash their hands. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a little gross. If you don't wash your hands, it's gross. You know, you're a little gross. But um, 
But like, like, I grew up Jewish, and washing your hands is a big deal. Like, there's a way you do it. There's a, how long you stand there, and the water, the warmth. Like, you, you do it. Like, there's, and I, you might have heard me say, there's a hand you wipe with. There's a hand you don't wipe with. So, you know, most Jews are left-hand wipers. Because <laughs> it's just, you were taught to be right-handed. Because, like, in Hebrew, it was easier to write right-handed. Because it flows from right to left. And so this is your writing hand or your sacred praising hand, and this is your, your you know, backdoor help hand. Um, <laughs> so um, they were trying, these were the same people earlier that tried to trip up Jesus on the laws of Sabbath. So these guys did not like that Jesus was the new sheriff in town and that he was redefining everything that they held really sacred. And I think it's really important to know that people's values generally reside and are shown up where they're most easily offended. If you want to know what you value, catch yourself next time you get really easily offended, and you'll learn that's a value. These guys deeply valued the, the oral law. They, dip, they deeply valued the extra biblical writings of the rabbis, the Talmud and the Mishnah and these sort of things. Like they deeply valued it. And they were always coming at Jesus because they wanted to see, they could not catch Jesus breaking any of the Old Testament laws. So they were always throwing this ancillary garbage at him because they, they wanted to trip him up. And so the, uh, the Natalia Yedayim which is what it was called, that um, this was a very important law to them. Like the, the thing of cleanliness was so important to them. And, the, and, and this uh, tradition comes, comes, comes from the Talmud, and the Talmud um, is the key uh, rabbinical, extra-biblical text. Like the Talmud, if you walked into a synagogue today, you would probably hear as much about the Talmud as you might of the Old Testament. It was this this oral, this oral tradition passed down and fully uh, kind of written out about the second to fifth centuries AD, but it was kind of this thing that went through the different exiles like we talked about, and so the oral law was very important when they didn't have written texts. They had the oral law that they could go off of. And so this, um, um, and the word Talmud comes from the Hebrew word Lamud. Talmud just means, it means um, teaching. So the Talmud was the Talmud, it means the teaching. So Talmud would, means like the teaching or the oral law. And this, this requirement was very important. Now you're thinking like, why are we talking about hand washing? It's kind of weird. It was so central to their society. If you think about today, there might be someone, and there have been some ones are like, they walk into a place, oh, you're not wearing a mask. Or, oh, you're wearing a mask. Today, masks for us would kind of be like ceremonial hand washing, and you see people's values around it. Some people are like, I'm not, I'm American, I'm not wearing a mask. No one's going to tell me what to do. Or people are like, dude, like, you don't love people if you don't wear a mask. And there's both sides of it. And there's both sides. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with hand washing. It's actually a good practice. There's nothing wrong with masks. I mean, there's a part of me that wonders why nursing homes and hospitals and doctor's office, why weren't we always doing this? Because anyone ever take your kids to the doctor for like a checkup and they come home sick? You know? So there's this thing that like, it might not be a bad thing there, but Jesus is 
what we're going to see here is Jesus, like, this was a value. And we see now, this is a value for some people on both sides because we see where people are offended by it. Most people aren't like, well, especially not at first. A lot of people aren't like, hey, I'm going to wear a mask or you wear a mask. It was like, no, if you don't, you're cursed. Or if you do, you're afraid. You know, it was like this line in the sand. And I love how Jesus handles this. Jesus handles this with just such a skillful stroke. Um, and it's so interesting how, how like the rabbinical code indicates that washing hands between meals or before a meal is a significant trans, transgression. It says, one uh, Talmudic sage even said, and this is a silly quote, but that eating bread without washing hands is tantamount to having sex with a prostitute. While another says that acting contemptuously towards this ritual causes one to be uprooted from the world. So these guys were serious about this. And some of us, don't we have these things that are really important to us that if people don't do this, sometimes we can treat them just like someone that's running off with, a, with like a paid trick? I mean, seriously, and that might sound a little far-fetched, but we all have these things that we hang on to and that we place more emphasis and we place in a higher category or it's more important to our family or it's more important to me. Like, I, I, I hate messes. I hate messes, hate it. I'm very kind of neat freak, organized, like my car's always clean, my office is clean, you know, I just hate messes. And if I'm not careful, I can really, in my mind, judge people that are slobs. I can really, um, I, I can walk in my house and get mad if it's a disaster, because I like it a certain way. And maybe the gospel was happening all day in my house, but in my fallenness, I can walk in because I value cleanliness. Jews, cleanliness is next to godliness. Grew up, you know, and, and then I kind of adopted that because my house was kind of messy and I was the house cleaner just because I hated the chaos. But I can make this a paragon, pinnacle virtue. That's important, but it's not the end of the, it's not the end all be all. And so, um, so I'm going I'm to show you um, so this, this thing, they even had a special prayer for it. I'm going to put that on the screen. I want you guys to read this with me. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Malach Ha'olam Asher Kishenu Bemitzvotav. Here's a kind of hard one. Vitzavanu. Al. Intalat. Yadayim. That just means, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who is sanctified us, oh, with your commands, command us, concerning washing hands. <laughs> and they would say this and pray this, and so you wash your hands long enough. Because I one time asked my pops, I'm like, Pops, why do we wash our hands for 20 seconds? And he breaks out, Barukata Adonai Elohenu Malak Ha'olam Esher Kedeshinu B'Mitzvav V'Tzavanu Entalat Yadayim. And he said it slow enough, he's like, it takes you about 20 seconds. I'm like, oh. Yeah, cool. 
So basically, if you played by the rules and you played by their game, you were good to go. Isn't that the world? A lot of times, aren't there a lot of game players? Maybe some of you are game players. Maybe some of us in our job. I mean, all of life, there's, there's some structure. There's certain things. Does anyone agree to everything you have to do? I don't even like agree with myself half the time, right? It's like, there's certain things that we have to do. I mean, maybe you, um, you just got done mowing. Well, the thing is, like, no one wants, like, you might think it would feel great to jump into your neighbor's pool, but the fact is, they'd probably like you to wash off first. You know, like, you might love to just jump in there all hot, but they'd rather you not jump in all sweaty and contaminate their pool. So we all have these things, like, that we sometimes just have to do certain social rules, right? You might, like, wonder, where are you going with this? Well, this was a big deal. But what Jesus is saying is Jesus cuts through the heart of the matter, and Jesus says this to them. He says to them, rightly did Isaiah the prophet prophesy about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they do not worship, and in vain do they worship me, teaching doctrines as the commandments of men, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the traditions of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commands of God in order to keep your own traditions. See, Jesus got to the heart of the matter. Jesus looked at it and said, and I love they come at him with like a Talmudic law, and Jesus comes at them with Bible. It's really important to know the Bible, really important. I mean, like you see Jesus when him and Satan like in like Matthew 4, when Jesus breaks on the public scene, the enemy comes at him with the word, and Jesus goes back at him with the word. And I'm a 14-year-old kid, just got saved. I'm like, well, dude, Jesus knew the word. I probably need to, too. So I started reading the Bible. It was, it was that simple. And you don't have to be an expert at this. You don't have to be an expert at really anything. And Jesus is just saying, like, you guys, you're experts in the law. And and later on in Matthew, he says, you guys place loads on people's backs, but you aren't willing to lift a finger to help them carry those loads. See, the thing about Jesus is Jesus isn't going to require us to do a bunch of weird extra stuff. He's not going to heap it on, pile it on. You might say, well, bro, you just asked us to fast. That's not, I'm not mandating it. Jesus is just saying, you can have as much of me as you want. If you're fine in the puddle, I'm in the puddle. If you want to swim in the ocean, jump in. But you'll never get to the ocean if you're not willing to go past the puddle. You won't. He's not going to make you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to hold you under. He's not going to teach you how to swim. But because he's not the kind of God, and the Pharisees were just kind of taking people off and throwing them in and saying, here it is, good luck. And Jesus was just saying, I'm not like that. And the thing is that Jesus is really getting at here is like these guys were so worried with outward appearances. How many of you can say, and don't raise your hand, that you spend more time a day looking at the word of God than you do getting ready and looking at your phone? That's a lot. It's a lot to imagine that. I mean, think about that. Like, some of you gals, I mean, it takes a long time, right, to get ready. I know it, I, I obviously look like I spend a ton of time getting ready. You know. Done. 
Um, but there, some people spend a lot of time. I mean, I take a shower every day. I kind of pride myself. I'm like efficient. Like, I want to be done in 10 minutes. Shower, shave, brush my teeth. Done. Um, but, but that's kind of one of those little like legalistic things that I was like, when I was a kid, I would just hang out in the shower sometimes for too long. And, and one day I heard someone kind of ask that question. I'm like, you know what? I know I'll read the word at least 10 minutes a day. I want to read the word more than it takes me to get ready. It's just one of those little things I, I just try to do. It's not legalistic, but I just like, I, I want to give more time to how my spirit looks than how my body looks. Because let's face it, man, we're all, like, once you, once you hit, like, that middle of the road, we're all in the back nine, and, you know, it just don't, it, it don't work the same. And it's like, I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to spend tons of time working on stuff that doesn't last. And what these Pharisees are trying to do is they're trying to polish the outside of the cup. And he's saying, inside, you're full of death and nastiness and filth. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. See, Jesus cares more about the condition of our heart than how nice our house is, than how good our job is, than how um, great our family looks, or how, how put together we are. Jesus cares way more about what's on the inside then he cares about what's on the outside. Because do you know, like this crude material, this stuff's gonna go. Stuff's gonna go. And it goes anyways, right? Like if you live long enough, stuff changes, things change. And Jesus is saying like, you guys, you guys are putting wrong focus on the wrong stuff. He's not saying washing hands aren't important. See, God was far ahead of, of like the CDC because he told his people to be clean and wash themselves because that was like disease control 101 in an ancient society. So no, no other cultures were washing their meat or using salt to cure things or, using, or taking daily baths. They weren't doing that. And constantly, like if you go back and look at the history of the plagues, like the Jews always died at a much slower rate than other, than other populations because they're kosher laws, they're very clean people. And we know cleanliness, like no one wants to go in a dirty OR. But Jesus is saying like, but it doesn't matter how clean the OR is, if the surgeon is blind, he's not gonna do a good job operating on you. And Jesus is basically looking at these rabbis, these teachers and saying, listen, these are blind guides. These are blind guides, these rules, these things, these obligations, that they're forcing you to live into are the wrong things. They will never yield the fruit you're looking for. And so the Pharisees were, were consumed with looking at the fruit, and Jesus says, I'm looking at the root. Your hearts are nasty. See, a lot of us are stuck in problems, in addictions, in issues, and struggles, or patterns, not because we keep doing those things. Like, do you know that sobriety is not the point? Do you know addicted people? Do you know sobriety is not the point? It's not. Sobriety is, a, is an essential function to getting your heart and mind clear, but the point is fall in love with Jesus. Amen. And if you fall in love with Jesus, these other things start to follow. Amen. And it's one obedience at a time that you stay sober, and it's one obedience at a time, like, 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 like in First Peter, it says, therefore, be sober-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. 
Because when you're, when you're addicted and you're stuck in stuff and you're stuck in patterns of judgment, hatred, racism, um, any addiction, that's all you can focus on. You can't see the world the right way. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, he's saying, you guys can't see the world the right way. So you can't even pray properly because you're stuck looking at the wrong thing instead of the right God. And so this is, really, this is really pivotal and critical to us today that we understand that man looks at the outward appearance, 1 Samuel 16, 7, but God looks at the heart. So when God looks in our heart, <clears throat> do you know that if you're struggling with ABC issue, do you know that God cares more about the condition of your heart than anything else? Now, actions got to match desire at some point in time, but... And, an obedient life, do you know, always started in a disobedient life. An obedient life always started with a life of disobedience. It was when you realize, you're like, God, I need something else. Jesus, I want your way. Jesus, I want to live differently. Jesus, I don't want to judge. Jesus, I don't want to focus on things that aren't essential. Like a lot of people joke about, oh, like I'm OCD or I'm ADD or I'm this and that. It's like, that stuff's a problem. Like, what's, it, it, it's not that stuff, it's like, what's underneath it that you have to control everything? And Jesus is saying to these OCD guys, why do you have to have it your way? Why are you following me across the river, across the sea, to make sure you have it your way, that you're in control? Jesus say, let me control you. Let me control you, and you'll have the right motives. See, because guys, we can do all the right stuff. We can say all the right things. We can watch, we can not drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do, as the old <clears throat> saying goes. And do you know you can still wind up when you're with Jesus someday, and he'll say, I didn't know you. Well, God, I went to church every Sunday. God, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk filthy. I didn't cuss. I didn't lie. I paid my taxes. And he's like, you're looking at a merit-based system when I'm looking at a changed heart. And he says, you might have done all the right stuff, but you were a jerk. You didn't care about the poor. You didn't let me lead you. You didn't let my mind fill you. You, you berated people in your thoughts every time they were different than you. You denigrated anyone who didn't look like you, act like you, think like you, talk like you. You didn't care about the problems of the world. You were so consumed with gazing like at your own navel and just looking at your own appearance that you missed out on my kingdom coming. You were busy building your kingdom, and you forgot about mine. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. And he's also saying that far too long and far too, open, too often, Christians have been known by what they're against and what they're for. There's nothing wrong with internet filters. There's nothing wrong like, with movie ratings. There's nothing wrong with, I'm not going to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes I think we're putting up boundaries that keep everything out, including the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying to these people. He's not telling them hand-washing is wrong. He's saying, your emphasis on it's wrong. I'm not saying trying to have healthy life, health, healthy boundaries is wrong. But if they're keeping you from some really good people and really good relationships and some personal freedom and of the attitude. See, because do you know attitude to Jesus matters even more than the action. Attitude matters more than the action. 
Well, why do we see that? Where do we see that? Well, we see here that, um, where is that verse? So Mark chapter 14, 7, verses 14 through 23. Turn there with me. Sorry, I got lost my place when I opened my Bible. There we go. And he said, then Jesus called the crowd to hear. He said, all of you listen and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you, but what comes from your heart. Jesus called, um, and he says, and he says, then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd. And the disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he just said. He said, don't you understand? Can't you see that the food that, that you put into your body can't defile you? They were so worried about what they ate, <clears throat> what they drank, when they did it, how they did it, if they were washed up. And Jesus is saying, like, dude, when you eat it, like, well, here, I'll, I'll let him say it, because so you can't accuse me of being crass, which I am a lot. But... Can't you see that the food that put in your body cannot defile you? For food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through your stomach and then goes out in the sewer. Well, how does that happen? Jesus is talking about, he's like, listen, you guys eat food and then you take a dump. Okay, so he said, quit putting so much emphasis on food and put an emphasis on your heart on how you're taking food. Put an emphasis on your heart at how you're receiving people, at how you're receiving things. He said, because whatever you guys touch... Whatever I touch, he said, it just turns to crap. Right? <laughs> Didn't he kind of say that? He said, pastor said crap. <laughs> he did. But, um, but Jesus is saying, like, listen, if you just touch it and you just consume it and it just passes through, it just comes out as garbage. But he says, what goes, he says, what comes out of your heart. It's what comes out of your heart that affects the stuff that comes into you. Because see, it says to the pure, all things are pure. So if, you're, if your heart has been on purity, you can, you can see an image. Because even you can have every internet filter in the world, you can have every accountability partner in the world, you can have everything set up, and you can keep birds from flying overhead. You can't keep them from flying overhead, can you? You can keep birds from making nests inside your hair, or on your head in my case. But you can't keep birds from flying overhead. So there's always going to be stuff around us that can tempt us, that can mess with us, that can trip us up, that can jump. Because has anyone ever seen or heard or experienced something that you wished you hadn't? Like I remember one, one day I was a young man. I was driving to work, and there was a car wreck. And they hadn't got there. And I remember I was driving by, and the firemen were shooting someone, and there's a dead body hanging partially out of this car. I'm 45 today. I was 19 then. I can't unsee that. I didn't want to see it. It was horrible. I don't know that woman. I don't, but I remember that day. I remember that thing I saw. So I couldn't keep it, but man, I could, I, I, it doesn't mean I have to you know, go home and like watch like, you know, Faces of Death videos. And what Jesus is talking about is saying, like, listen, it's not just what comes into you. So I'm not giving you a free pass to go do terrible things. Okay, But what Jesus is saying, it's not what comes into you, it's what's coming out of you. Because like, if you want to be pure, you're going to stay away from things that aren't probably the best for you, that aren't about his kingdom. Like Honestly, do you know one of the worst things you can do for your soul, in my opinion, is watch the news all the time? Like, Do you want to get a rot in your soul? Just turn on... CNN or Fox or Newsmax or Breitbart or 
MSNBC. Just turn that stuff on nonstop and see if you feel more like Jesus after a couple of days. No, you're going to be mad. You're going to be terrified. You're going to be disgusted. And it's like, and so you're saying, well, that's kind of chopping off the branch that you're sitting on. No, Jesus is saying, like, listen, don't, but it doesn't mean you can never listen to the news. It doesn't mean you can never read the news. It doesn't mean you can never go to a football game. It doesn't mean you can never eat a cheeseburger. A lot of times we tend to be either or, and Jesus is saying, like, listen, it's both and. He's saying, be ruled by my spirit, not by your traditions, be ruled by my ways, not your broke thinking. Because listen, we all have stuff. Everyone sitting in this room could go to Celebrate Recovery and get something from it. Everyone could, because we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we have a hard time moving past, don't we? We all do. And that's okay. That's what it means to be human. We live in a broken, fallen place, and life is really hard. But what we need at the end of the day is we need a relationship with God to help us distinguish between the pure and the profane. Washing the cups, washing your hands wasn't bad, but that wasn't the ticket to heaven. Jesus says that these people honor me at their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And here's the thing, friends. If our lives aren't anchored in the word, and if we're not walking in the spirit, there's going to be lots of things that we're walking in, doing, thinking about, spending our time with, discussing that aren't of him. And so it's just learning how to understand, like, how do I live as heavenly minded and act as earthly good? That's the secret sauce, is learning how to live in balance. How do I live in this place as salt and light, but then still realize that I gotta still go to work nine to five. Still realize that I got kids to take care of, or grandkids, or friends, or neighbors. Uh, if you're sitting around here decaf, if you wanna come up and play the piano, we're gonna pray in a minute. That's Kathy, she, I, I just learned today she's a doctor, so I gave her like a rapper name, she's decaf to me from, <laughs> not decaf, cause she's full, she's full energy, but, um, no, but, it, but, but the thing is here that, I, I know this might be a confusing message a little bit, but the point is, is like Jesus is more concerned about the purity of our heart towards him. Pure just means like, un, it means unsullied in a sense, doesn't it? And do you know how you get something pure? It's generally, you take it and you burn a lot of the impurities off, right? If you're making like a metal and you want to get a pure metal, well, very rarely do you ever go into a mine and get a pure piece of the metal you're looking for. No, you gotta burn all the other stuff off to get the pure thing. And there's a lot of things in our lives that Jesus wants to take a torch to that keep us from living the way we're meant to live. Because a lot of things that we focus on and put emphasis on, Jesus is saying like, can you just give that up? Jesus isn't telling the Pharisees to quit washing their hands. He's not quit saying, don't give a high five with your left. He's saying, just don't make that the gospel. And I think a lot of us, if we're really honest, there's things that we mix into the gospel and make it hard for people. Like people are like, I've, I've had some people say to me, well, being a, gospel, being a Christian must mean that I become a white uh, Republican who doesn't watch radar movies, is what someone said recently. I'm like, if that's what they boil the gospel down to, 
you like war movies and you're black and you're Democrat, the kingdom might be hard for you. But the thing is, it shouldn't be hard because that's not the gospel. It's not about your color. It's not about your political party. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I would just encourage us as a church in these times when it's, let's just be about Jesus. And as you fast, if you join us in that, and as you read the Bible, as you pray this week, just say, Jesus, where, where in my life am I making it too hard for me to come to you or making it too hard for other people? Because some of us spouses, I'll just say this, there's some of you that will never feel the love you want because you can't get over the toilet being up or the socks on the floor or that laugh they have or A, B, or C. There's some things that some of us can't get past just because we... We've, we've made them dogma. We've made, we've put too much importance on unimportant things. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you forget about that stuff and let me move in the relationship? I'm going to pray. And prayer teams, if you'll come on up. Father, I just ask you today to meet us where we have a lot of issues, Lord, where we have a lot of weird judgments, a lot of weird things we hang on to, a lot of things that are not very important to you, Lord, that we make so important. Lord, a lot of us live governed by our fears governed by control, governed by our likes and our dislikes. We can't even go to our restaurant with our friends because it's not something we like. Lord, help us to get out of the I like zone or the comfort zone and help us to step into your zone and ask you what you have for our lives, what you want for us. You didn't care that the disciples weren't washing their hands. You didn't. What a big deal to you. You care about the condition of their hearts. Lord, you care about the condition of our hearts. Show us anything today in our heart that's not that's not very malleable. Bless you, Lord. We love you. We ask you to meet us in this place. If you want prayer, come to the altar. And uh, I encourage you to read Mark 8 this week. So go and sin less this week. Love you all.